then I really wanted to get back to teaching. So what I realized working at Perfect Paws is that the, the puppy room at the daycare was an exceptional place. That was Bernal Beast owner, Steph Miller. Welcome to Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. All throughout September, we're focusing on small business owners. Some are new to the show, and some are revisits with past guests. In this podcast, Steph picks up where she left off in part one, with her return to the Bay Area after spending five years or so in New Orleans. She adopted her dog, Ruby, back in Louisiana, and now saw how Ruby led the pack with her parents' dogs to mixed results. After a few moves around the Bay Area, Steph finally found an apartment in North Beach and a job at Mission Pet Hospital. One of the vets there let her know about a dog training program at the SPCA, which set her on a course that she's still on today. Bernal Beast, which is located at the top of the hill on Cortland, is open 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day. Please wear a mask and practice social distancing if you visit their store. Here's Steph. So I did come back. I had a dog with me. Your own dog. My own dog. Oh, and Ruby. Well, I'll show you later. I don't want to undress again. (laughs) But I have a, a tree on my arm with my dog's name Ruby because she is really like sort of the the core of of why I have become a dog trainer let's talk about that then did you get her down in, uh, in New Orleans yeah okay, okay. Yeah. And so you had her in New Orleans brought her back yes okay yes. if yes, she's yes, the yes. core of why she, you're a dog she trainer is. she is let's she hear was that story then she was um being fostered by a neighbor Um, And she had this litter of puppies. And I was doing a jogging route through Audubon Park. I lived right near one of the sort of beautiful oak tree-lined parks. And I had to run past this person's house every day. Mm -hmm. And every time I'd pass, I was like, no, 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 no. There was a little sign saying, like, puppies, come see. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, finally, I was like, oh. I saw them all following her at one point in a little line to go potty and then come back. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. So I stopped the first dog that came out running at me and basically like scratching my whole face and neck was my dog, Ruby, who I wound up taking home with me at that very moment. And never look, I mean, I did look back. I remember walking her up the stairs of my apartment building thinking, what did I just do? (laughs) Typical stuff, rash decision to just like go with your gut. Yeah. Which is how I make a lot of my decisions. But that was 20 plus years ago and here you are. So there's one. Definitely not a decision that I regret. Yeah. Yeah. And she, so it turns out she had a lot of behavioral problems. Mm. She was a little like a Sharpay slash lab mutt. And had a lot of, um, so dog to dog social problems and I learned a lot and then I studied and then I just read up on stuff and I happened to be you know reading all really good stuff I was given positive reinforcement training manuals so lucky 
Totally. Because, I mean, I could have been given a choke chain and, and or a prong collar and the monks of New Skeet, and I was given something written by a positive reinforcement trainer and crate trained her and took her to the levee at the Mississippi River for playdates and met, a, met her best friend named Gumbo. Oh, my God. <laughs> so cute. Um, and oddly enough, I when I moved back home to take this job in my dad's law office, total nepotism, by the way, I admit it. Um, but also, I loved working there. It was crazy. I loved it. Did I, you... I, I, sorry, did you did you live down in Atherton again? I did. Or? I, I moved ba- literally back home. So you commuted... I commuted. Okay. So I commuted either on the train or I became my dad's chauffeur. And he would, it was like a job I took very seriously because he's he's taught me to drive very young and I'm sort of the family driver now. Um, If I wound up in the wrong lane, I could feel the tension next to me, you know, so it was just, I took it, it was like became a cab driver very early and it probably led to me becoming a dog walker and driving all over the city to pick up dogs. Right. But, um, so she, she, Ruby came with me and then we moved in with my parents and their two dogs. Okay. And that's when all hell broke loose. (laughs) (laughs) Ruby was like the bad girl who would sneak out at night in a little black dress with no undies on. Mm -hmm. Like she was teaching them to like smoke and Mm. possibly get, you know, get into some heavier stuff in the back alley. (laughs) Or just fully live your life. She came from New Orleans after all. Totally. She was like, she, she was like a girl hugged. after my own heart, for sure. Totally. But, I mean, I got a call at one point from a neighbor who was laughing, but saying like, oh, do you hear that? That's my 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 um, 10-year-old's birthday party. They're having the best time, but there's three dogs <laughs> swimming in the swimming pool <laughs> while all these girls just think it's the greatest show in the world. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. And it was totally my, my dog was a Houdini. Right. She was finding escape routes and then taking her adopted sisters with her on these excursions mm. all over Atherton. And I don't, uh, I don't know Atherton very well. Is it like fully, you know, sub- suburban residential? Oh, yeah. Or is it? Totally. I didn't know if it was it's like, like. right next to Menlo Park. Menlo Park and Redwood mm. City both have sort of downtowns and Atherton is just all residential. Okay. But was that scary for your dogs to be? going out on their adventures or you're just like it's just who they are i I almost feel like i became the latchkey parent that my that i grew up as i mean they came back Mm -hmm. they survived it Mm -hmm. but you know my dog definitely put me through the rigors of i mean when i moved to berkeley she wound up at the shelter twice i'm not proud of this i'm not proud of any of this but i just i didn't realize because i didn't know a, that she had separation anxiety, like true separation mm-hmm. anxiety. Um, and I didn't have a lot of money working the jobs I was working to sort of provide care mm-hmm. in the way that I feel like dogs should have if they're alone right. for 10 hours. Yeah. So I learned a lot from that. What brought you to Berkeley? Um, I could not find a place in San Francisco that would take me a low-wage earner and a dog. During the dot-com boom, the right. first one, right, there was like 
50 people waiting at every apartment mm-hmm. and people offering cash mm-hmm. at the door. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yep, I guess I'll just put the book over here. Right. My best friend went to Berkeley, who I grew up with, um, went to high school with, and she said that there was an apartment in her building coming up, and it happened to be in North Berkeley. Okay. But the idea was that you... Um, it wasn't I only just, wanted to live in San Francisco. No offense, it, Berkeley. And it wasn't just that job with your dad. It was you wanted to be here. I just wanted to be here. This yeah. is where I always... This is where I... This is... Yeah. This is the city that I dreamed of being in. And it's the closest thing to New Orleans. They call them a sister cities. Have you heard the term psychic seaport? No. We'll talk about that off mic later. Oh, okay. I'll tell you about that. I love it. Um, but so, so Berkeley and then eventually did you? Berkeley happened and then I moved to um, North Oakland for the same sort of reasons. I couldn't get a place and the Berkeley apartment didn't allow dogs. Okay. So I was sneaking my dog mm-hmm. in and I needed to have a place that I could just be not doing that. And you're like, and I'll just keep getting closer and closer. Somehow. To, to that, the city I'll live in the I bridge live. if I have to, in the tunnel. I live fucking Nirvana Island. I know, like, like what a Treasure Island. Let's do it. Yeah. But I lived. I feel like I lived right under the Bart track at Ashby Station. Oh, I yeah, lived yeah. on Martin Luther King and Sixty First. Got it. I know. Exactly I had bars on my windows and drug deals happening, and I was like, you know what? I feel really at home here. Exactly. I just came back from New Orleans. Exactly. This is not a big deal, okay. and my dog happened to look like a pretty tough pit bull. Mm-hmm. So I'd walk her at night and be fine. We'd walk mm-hmm. right through deals and mm-hmm. come back to our... My apartment in North Oakland was right at the curve um, on Martin Luther King Avenue near the Ashby Bart, like I said. And twice, cars crashed into my front door. Oh, my God. Taking that When turn. you were in there? Both times when I was not home. Okay. Both times coming home to uh, my, yeah, half the entryway gone. But you guys, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys were here in San Francisco in 99, 98. Okay. Really, really hard to get a place in the city, right? Yeah. Like, we think it's hard now. I, I, I think it really is hard now. But I, I just, I remember it being just at a different level oh my god you'd see remember you'd see those apartments that were just a bedroom but then but then down the hall you'd leave that down the hall to find a kitchen Mm -hmm. that was shared and then like a bathroom that was shared and you're they're still asking twelve hundred dollars a month for it you're describing my apartment at Hayes and (laughs) DeViz exactly exactly so anyway um yeah, and then I did move to North Beach. So when did you get started? Uh, did you move to North Beach before um, you got started with dog walking? Or an, an Yes, I was tree. still working in my dad's law firm, and I was uh, was moving on up. I, I went from being a case clerk to a paralegal. I loved it. You mm-hmm. guys, I don't, I, it just taps into some organizational bug that mm-hmm. I have in my system mm-hmm. and I liked organizing attorneys mm-hmm. I liked it but my very good friend Christine who was a paralegal way way longer than I was um, looked at me one day and she was like get out 
the horror like, movie moment. What do you moment. mean? I'm happy. She's yeah. like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, okay, you're right. I'm not. Mm-hmm. But I, I could, I could have been complacent mm-hmm. and just kind of stuck that out, and probably wouldn't have been happy. Right. But I was just kind of rolling with it. Um, did but, she? Did she have an idea of what you? Oh, she was do? just like, you're so creative. She just had, yeah, she she had a lot of ideas for me. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're so creative. You should be in like art or advertising or just anything. And she's right. I'm not, that's not my jam. Right. It's, she's like, let's start with saving your soul. Yeah. <laughs> Get you out of here. Okay. Oh my God. My, I just, I think I'm going all over the place. But um, I mean, I really am. Uh, no, that's okay. But, but I let's... did uh, get m- married in there too. Oh, I know. It's like... Okay sure how long do you have no um so 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 as i was sort of typing in my doldrums of my little cubicle that again i loved i loved the people i worked with i but it wasn't gonna fulfill me Mm -hmm. spiritually or professionally Mm -hmm. or mentally Mm -hmm. um i uh wound up applying to work in a veterinary office okay and that's kind of how everything else fell into place Um, Uh, a vet in the city mm -hmm. mission pet hospital oh yeah my old my old place yeah yeah you're where you used to take your dog starting in 2001 yeah 2001 yeah that's when i started going there oh my god yeah that's probably yeah okay i was definitely so i was there from about 99 2000 and probably just leaving in 2001 because okay. one of the vets there dr dave gordon who's still there mm-hmm. and whose dog i eventually walked mm-hmm. um he gave me the culture clash a book by jean donaldson she is an animal behaviorist scientist and she founded the academy for dog trainers at the san francisco spca okay and she was working it and at the spca at the time that dave dr gordon gave me that book Mm -hmm. and i was like oh this is what i want to do okay um so anyway that's that kind of leads us to that but i because i i realized at the pet hospital as much as I thought I wanted to be a vet tech or be you know handling the animals I didn't really love seeing the animals in those moments of sort of pain and fear yeah and also having to watch people say goodbye to their pets Mm -hmm. was really hard Mm -hmm. I wasn't really cut from like strong enough and other people are Right, there's other, other people, people totally who are. can handle that. And oh are my good gosh, at it. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, important. And it wasn't like the gore that I; it was the emotional piece. Yeah, it's the sadness. Um, so, so kind of finding the SPCA and that program and getting to work under Gene was like going to second grade again. Right. What's the program called, and is it still going? It doesn't exist anymore. Okay. But at the time. Um, it was called the San Francisco Academy for Dog Trainers, mm-hmm. and it was world-renowned. Mm-hmm. It was this program that took students who would pay to be part of this program to learn how to work with animals and um, learn how to train them, but also learn how to deal with behavioral problems. Okay. Um, 
in order to keep more animals in their homes. Mm -hmm. And then they had this symbiotic relationship with the students. We were training the shelter dogs. Right. And so we were getting adoptions out, out the door with these dogs who were hopefully going to be staying in their homes because we helped them get there. Awesome. It was a no-kill shelter at the time. Mm-hmm. It was honestly the the mecca. It, it was where people were coming from all over the world to take this program. I did not know that at the time that mm-hmm. I joined up. Mm-hmm. But I felt like it was going to be the model program for every shelter in the United States and maybe the world because it used this behavioral bent to get these dogs more grounded, more confident, more Mm -hmm. comfortable. Mm -hmm. They had a very um, extensive behavior and training department Mm -hmm. and animals that were coming in were getting all the rehab that they needed before they were sent out. It was amazing. Awesome. It was amazing. Fixing them, well, that's not a good term. (laughs) But yeah, no, but educating them and, and building their confidence to a point where they could go into a family home Mm -hmm. and survive that Mm -hmm. and make it and be happy and thrive so then i don't want to gloss over anything for sure but then when did you become your own like was your training and and everything i learned i learned there okay i mean i did read up and ruby was my project dog Mm -hmm. for a lot of the program Mm -hmm. like i was using her to to work on um, behavior modification. Mm-hmm. So whether like her, she has dog to dog issues, she had some leash reactivity, she had some resource guarding. She was mm-hmm. like the perfect case because mm-hmm. she had everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> everything that a dog trainer really needs to learn. Mm-hmm. She was like my little, my little guinea pig. Right. And- so she, so she, it was helpful to have her in my house to take my assignments home and work her. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But then, um, then I stayed uh, and did an internship there. I um, they created an internship program for all the grads. I went down the curriculum and teaching public class. Oh wow! Route. So what was so cool at the time too is you know so I'm learning from my mentor. Her name is Veronica Battelle, and she still runs an amazing program called Dog Tech, Mm -hmm. which helps dog professionals build. It's like a little, almost like an incubator, but that she just helps dog professionals survive. Um, She mentored me. Um, Her teaching skills were phenomenal. She came from Mills College Mm -hmm. and just took everything she knew about teaching and then applied it to the dog world. And we got to teach public classes to people coming into the shelter with their rescue or, or their their adopted dog, wherever that was from. Mm-hmm. And then we got to practice what we learned. And I did hundreds yeah. of hundreds of volunteer hours. How many, uh, how long were you there? Years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I wanted to learn. I wanted to be, I wanted to get everybody's take on everything and so I just it was I was so lucky I immersed myself in a program that was just there and thriving and welcoming and was that the experience that told you 
this is what I want to do. This is this is where I should be. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, by the time I was in the program, I'm like, um, we're done here. We're okay. Good. We're good. This is exactly where I want to be. And um, from that experience, uh, led to everything else. So I was teaching at the SPCA. Then I got a job at a place called Perfect Pause, which was an independent training company down like on Harrison and 8th. Mm -hmm. um, they were paying like $10,000 a month in rent because it was dot-com SOMA. Um, I got a lot of teaching under my belt there. Okay. And then they had to close because they couldn't pay the rent. And so that was my first stint as a dog walker because all these dogs that were in the daycare program needed care. My friend Diane, Maury, Eva, Lauterbach, and I created a dog walking company like this started to go to Fort Funston and then what was that called your company oh that's a good question <laughs> I don't remember that's um, fine. anyway yeah no I don't even think it was a business made out of necessity and it was like one day we were working in the the training company and the next we were we had a pack of dogs at Fort Funston so, but then I really wanted to get back to teaching. So what I realized working at Perfect Paws is that the, the puppy room at the daycare was an exceptional place. The dogs were all like learning all their new skills and gaining confidence and playing with each other. And I wasn't as high on the adult daycare rooms mm. because it felt a little tense sometimes and it wasn't for every dog, <laughs> right? You had to be a certain kind of bomb-proof dog to be in a room with that many dogs in a tight space. Puppies thrived. Yeah. So that's when the seed for SF Puppy Prep, which was my puppy daycare okay. that I opened, um, what kind of germinated? Sure. Roughly when was that? That was remember? around 2005. Okay. And so Asia Berger, my business partner at the time and I and also came stemming from the SPCA we mm -hmm. opened SF Puppy Prep in 2005 and we're busy from like the second that we opened our do our doors it was in this city pr pretty much the first of its kind to okay. offer six month and under wow. puppy daycare to people who adopt and I mean there were times when people would come and say like I don't understand what we did before you guys opened right. like how did you have a wild little animal in your home while we were at work tearing up your couch we who know nothing <laughs> and just want a dog yeah let's take them to people who actually know a little yeah. bit about what so puppy probe was like yeah. We used to have puppy happy hour every Friday night. We served wine and cheese. People were coming in to just go to the happy hour to watch puppies play as a little serotonin uptake. <laughs> um, and then um, when I sold puppy prep about eight years later to my business partner, Asia, she took over. Um, I was pregnant. Okay. So anyway. Um, Where was puppy prep? Uh, Beautiful part of town, Sixth Street between Folsom and Howard. Okay. It was a really, um, it was right near the furniture building. Right. And that was still there, there when we took over down there. Sixth and Howard. Sixth and Howard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, rough, rough spot, rough neighborhood to mm -hmm. kind of get that started, but it worked. People were coming, and um, 
fast forward, we had actually done some cross marketing with Tony, who used to own Bernal Beast. Mm -hmm. And we were sending coupon cards to our classes, and he did some happy hour things with us. And, you know, whatever it was, 15 years later, he, um, I approached him to try and do what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. Here. Mm -hmm. This room was like filled, all aquariums. I don't know if you guys had ever been here I before. Hadn't. No, I hadn't. Okay, very different. I wish you'd see the before and after. Yeah. And I said, why don't I do some training in here and it'll get people in the door? Because mm -hmm. we're losing customers to Chewy and Amazon. Mm -hmm. So let's get like some service. Mm -hmm. A few months later, I bumped into Tony on the street and he was like, hey, how about this? How about you just buy Bernal Beast? And just, just do your dream. He was done. He was done. He was ready. 25 years. But he was ready it, to retire. But he also wanted it to go to someone who would keep it in like a small local business. And now I'm just bringing what we did at Puppy Prep here. Okay. But in addition to cats, chickens, bunnies, I'm learning a lot about chickens. Wow. You, know okay. how, you, you guys don't know how many chickens there are in San Francisco. So we're not dog only but that beast. is sort of yeah beast the beast supernal how long was it in the works then you said you opened on may, may 1st. 1st we or had started the conversation in probably october the previous october did tony was tony running the place until yes you know, until shelter in place happened yes shut down he basically closed for april and was only taking phone orders mm -hmm. but mostly because of his age category and he was feeling a little bit more vulnerable mm -hmm. uh, but we are considered an essential business right. so when we alan and i came in on may 1st we just opened and tried to sort of maintain as much social distancing as possible so you're an interesting um class in in the overall of 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 what we're doing and, and what the city's doing everything like because you opened you you only known this business under shelter in place rules and X's on the floor and that mask exactly. and everything. So there, so you don't have a before to compare it to. I really don't. I mean, right. my old business was so different. It wasn't right. a retail right. shop and it wasn't people coming in. It was puppies coming in and you know, so yeah, people say like, Oh, how's it, how's it going? How's it, how does it compare? And I'm like, we don't know. There's no before. We feel good. Yeah. It feels good. We're open every day, Monday through Sunday. 10 to 5 right now um, and a lot of we basically have almost every employee that was here before back um, the hours have shifted a little bit but we, we really wanted to keep some continuity and the community loves our employees um, and honestly they taught us a lot so they're here um, and then the weekends are when we're really kind of opening up to the class. That was the thing I wanted to start right away, but because of the pandemic, I think that is the, you know, the most affected um, is sort of our education program that we have, we have a lot of ideas, a lot of, we want speaker series on behavior. We want art openings. We want local artists to show their work here. We really want to be a community space and the community part is so hard right now. So, Right now we have puppy socials every Saturday that you, people can pre-register for because we have to 
limit the number of people. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have young puppy classes on Saturdays. And we're going to start offering sort of sequences of those classes, like puppy one, puppy two, adult manners, workshops, all sorts of stuff. But we kind of have to gauge what we can really do during this time. We didn't really talk about, um, you know, besides the, the fact that this place is located here, we didn't talk about this neighborhood at all. You're right. Can we talk about that yes. real fast? Yes, love to, love to. I am in love with this neighborhood. I actually came to this neighborhood for the first time as a private dog trainer. I came to a house probably like in the year 2002. Okay. And I left that dog training thinking, where am I? And how do I get to live here? <laughs> I remember going to Wildside West back in the day and still not really knowing what Bernal Heights was. And then when I first moved to Bernal Heights 15, no, maybe 17 years ago, um, nobody knew what neighborhood this was. I could tell people where I lived and they're like, oh wait, is Bernal Heights, where is that again? Right. So anyway, it's a, it's an adorable little enclave of of perfection. I just love it here. And the other thing I was going to say about the shop is we have cleaned it up. We have, yes, we have sort of put in some products that maybe weren't here before, but we're really trying not to be a boutique. Like mm -hmm. we are a feed shop. We get Bernal. Bernal people don't want that. Uh, we don't want to be too precious here. We want to meet your animals. We want to get dirty. We want to feed them. We're not going to sell you like some, we're not a gift shop. We're like a legit feed shop. So we understand that about Bernal. Mm -hmm. It's still kind of got the, I know it's changed a lot in the last 15 years, like a lot, mm -hmm. but it still has a really sort of blue collar, local roots feel. That was Steph Miller. We've got a lot of stuff coming up for you all. Tomorrow, catch our check-in with Balboa Theater owner Adam Bergeron. On Saturday, we'll meet and hear some quarantine stories from the owners of Pop's Bar in the Mission. And on the next episode of Storied San Francisco, we'll get to know 111 Mena owners Michelle Delaney and Alex Kivelstadt. Please join us for episode 35 next Tuesday. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 120 episodes over the last three years. And you can find them all over at our website, storiedsf.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as just about everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. And if you have any feedback for us, or you just want to say hi, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay healthy. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.